Hello everybody, welcome to the Dummy Room. This is Marie Nicotine from the windowsill. Enjoy the show. Cheers! <laughs> Hey, what's up, guys? Dummy Room Punk Rock Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Mucho appreciations, as always. This is going to be episode 203. Ian Hernandez from the Subjunctives, Top Drawer Records, Seattle Pop Punk Festival, and, of course, the legendary Sicko is going to be my guest. He's going to be coming up in just a few minutes. Sweet. I wanted to touch on a few things real quick. Uh, Punk Rock Rudino just ended... I'm not going to do too much of a recap on this. Uh, I got a couple guests coming up in the next few weeks, so we'll, we'll cover that to death. But um, I did want to just say uh, congratulations to Andrea Mangis. Dude got married during Punk Rock Reduno. Incredible. What a legend. It's his festival. He's got all this work to do, and he still finds time to get married. So very cool. Congratulations to King and Queen Mangie. And I said I wasn't going to get into it much, but um, yeah, it was pretty good. I didn't, I didn't get to watch it all, but uh, what I saw I thought was cool. Windowsill and uh, Travolta's, the Dutch connection, they both killed it. Uh, Socho Pistons, Retarded, Shock Treatment, D-Cracks, they were all great. Chevys were unbelievable. Cody and the Proton Packs was totally cool. Anyways, we'll get into that more in the next couple weeks. Hey, I got a new Ghost Party song. Out of nowhere, Ghost Party. They got an album coming out on Mom's Basement Records. John says September, October, so sometime in the fall it's coming out. Maybe it'll be out in time for Mom's Basement Fest early October, so that would be cool. Anyways, I got a new song from it, and it's fucking great. It's called Killing Time. Check this out. Just killing time till I die. Whoa, oh, 
just good time till I die. Whoa, I'm just good time till I die. Whoa, I'm just good time till I die. Roger Rodriguez from Oldie Hawn was supposed to record the intro with me. He actually did, but there were some problems, and I just I just canned it, and I'm doing this real quick. Anyways, the end of that song with the, it sounds, you know, he says it sounded like a, like a xylophone, and I guess it does. And he also said then he thought it was a kid's toy, like a little kid's piano or something. I don't know what it is, but it sounds fucking cool. The Wo'os are great. Uh, anyways, Killing Time, new ghost party. I love it. Go ahead and bug the shit out of John and Teflon Dave for more information on that one, because I, I just don't know anything. Hopefully there's more singles coming out between now and release day. I've heard it. It's a great album. You're going to love it. As mentioned, Roger Rodriguez from Oldie Hawn was supposed to be here. Uh, just to let everybody know the, the album Missing Time, Oldie Hawn's album. It is officially out on vinyl now. You can go ahead and order that from Otitis Media. Hit them up, and uh, lots of pretty colors, shit like that. It's a great album. I love it. It's definitely on the list end of the year, man. It's 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 a contender, that's for sure. And speaking of contenders, new Borderlines album, Keep Pretending, is out now. It's, it's actually out in like a day, but uh, by the time you're hearing this, it'll be out. You can stream it. You can get it on CD. You can get it on cassette. They're playing a, a release show. Uh, you'll be able to pick up the vinyl there. You can pre-order the vinyl in the shop, and it's going to be shipping probably in like a week or two. Um, yeah, that'll be out soon. So, cool. Album rules. Check it out. Uh, I guess let's get to this week's guest. He was on the show about five years ago, August August of 2018. He was a guest. He was on episode 14 it's taken uh, way, way too fucking long to get him back here. He's definitely one of the nicest guys in punk rock. He's a smart punk. Here we go. Ian Hernandez.
it's Ian from Sicko. What's up, dude? What's up, Nate? Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, Ian from uh, the Subjunctives too, and Top Drawer Records, I should say. Yep. Dude, it's hard for a guy like me to. Uh, I worship Sicko, and I have for like 25 years, right? It's just hard for me to to get past that sometimes. I oh, apologize. That's... No, it's good, man. <laughs> I mean, uh, I appreciate. We always appreciate anybody liking our stuff, and uh, it's good to hear. It's nice that people still remember us. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been five years. I just it doesn't seem like it's been that long because that that's like forever ago, right? God, it's really been five years, hasn't it? Um, <laughs> you don't even remember, do you? No, I was no, I remember it very well, and I remember thinking, oh, this is this new thing, but this could be cool, and um, and I really thought it was like two or three years ago, and I just realized, no, that we did all that five years ago. Damn, time is really flying by in my life. I guess we had the pandemic and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even think the first, uh, no, the first Subjunctives album wasn't even out yet. Wasn't it? Oh, okay. I, and honestly, I think you just were just starting to play shows, maybe. You know, it might have been on the back of the Sicko uh, uh, compilation. I don't think that was out either. Shit. I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. I want to ask you about that because I don't remember oh, talking about that. But uh, yep. Yep. hey, I, before we got on, we were talking about your new tattoos, <laughs> and yeah. uh, Ian's got this huge Husker Du tattoo, which is awesome. But um, ha- has anybody ever showed you a sicko tattoo? Oh, there's plenty of them out there. Yeah. Is there really? I've never oh, seen yeah. one. Yeah, no. Um, occasionally, someone will share one on the sicko Facebook. Uh, usually they are one of the monkey boys from the Laugh All You Can monkey yeah, boy yeah. Uh, <laughs> cool. uh, record. Um, but yeah, I've definitely met people who have a tattoo of a caricature of me as a monkey on their body, which is a trip. I think I met somebody once with like, <laughs> we had this strange character, like Joe Newton from Gas Huffer did some art for us once and he wanted to design a mascot for sicko and he kind of he kind of just this guy basically it's a guy who looks like grimace from mcdonald's uh and is even purple has a big s on his chest uh and, but <laughs> joe was like this guy's name is sicky you know uh and like we made shirts of it and some posters and then never really went anywhere so we've always it's sort of known as the sicko mascot that 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 wasn't meant to be, you know, and uh, and every once in a while you'll see somebody with that, but it's usually one of the monkey boys. Sick. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, you know, I think about getting a sicko tattoo every once in a while, but then I'm like, I don't want a tattoo of Denny and Josh on me, and they're all the art was always us three like caricatures, so it's sort of like, you know, I'm. I, I I probably will never get one, and I don't want this obscure grimace character either. Like that just seems really silly. So I'm not sure if I'll ever get a sicko one. Uh, but yeah, I've been collecting these now. I just that's like I turned 50. I'm like you know, people always used to say to me when I was young, you know, oh what are you gonna get this tattoo? Then how's that gonna look when you're 50? You know, and you'll be old and it'll be ridiculous. And I thought. You know, okay, and then, you know, I turned 50, and I'm like, fuck, I look horrible. Like, a fucking tattoo is not going to decrease that. Like, (laughs) the tattoo can't scratch that. So, like, uh, I've been just getting all these old punk rock tattoos that I always wanted to get. Uh, You know, Black Flag and the Misfits and stuff, and it's like, uh, 
I found a good guy who does it here in Seattle, and um, uh, and, and in fact, the owner of the shop is play, His band is going to play uh, at uh, the festival this year. Cool. A guy named Aaron Bell, really famous uh, tattoo artist, and he uh, his he has a band called Red Reaction, and they're going to be playing at the Pop Punk Festival. Um, and so that's really cool, uh, you know, kind of local connection. And fuck it, you know, like, I mean, yeah. I don't think I'm going to get any, like, neck tattoos or anything like that. But, <laughs> you know, I'm, I've got some in mind for, like, you know, like, for my kids and stuff. And I, I figure, fuck it, you know, uh, why not? You know, it's fun. And, yeah, yeah. And it, it's, you know, it's meaningful stuff to me. I got a cringer tattoo. That was Lance, nice. Lance from J Church's. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, band before before J Church and so I'm like I, I think I have the world's only cringer tattoo <laughs> I don't have any tattoos like not one I've never really had much interest in getting one but if I do I'll, I'll let you know right now I, I'm declaring that uh, <laughs> if if I ever get a tattoo my first one's gonna be a sicko tattoo oh, dude. perfect perfect <laughs> I think I'll get the maybe I'll get the faces from like the first EP you know there you go. <laughs> the ones where like no eyes, you know. <laughs> yeah, yep. That would be that is that is the emblem that didn't quit, man. That guy who drew it for us. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. had. He's a friend of Denny's girlfriend, who was a comic artist, and 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 she knew this guy Jason, and he had broke his leg or something in a bike accident, and you know was kind of didn't have much to do, and 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 she said, oh, you should get him. He's pretty good, and. You know, it was just for that first seven inch, and, and and we're like, well, how much should we pay him? And she's like, oh, 50 bucks, whatever, you know. 50 bucks was more back in 1992, but it wasn't very much. Now, he's like a really famous comic artist with lots of published work. He's a wow. professor. You know, like, <laughs> we wanted him to do this new compilation, and it was like, he's like, yeah, but it took forever because he had so many other gigs going, you know, Um he did a really Paying famous uh, book <laughs> called Berlin, which is like, I don't know, thousands of pages of comic art about the city of Berlin in like the mid-century. It's hmm. super intense and um, really complex story. Uh, and he's like sort of like famous for it. But he was just a kid who wanted to do a punk rock cover, you know, uh, back when we first met him. But that one was... You know, that's the recognizable one. Everybody sees that and goes, oh, yeah, I know what that is. Yeah, yeah. How come Denny had eyes almost, you know? He had glasses on, right? Yeah, the glasses. That's right. Yeah, Josh and I were like weird Cylon guys. And yeah, look like mutants. Yeah, yeah. Did he design, did this guy design the logo too then on that? All of it. Cool. Yeah, you got so much mileage out of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he got a few records out of that. So he must have did the first album too. Then you, you can he feel did. Love. That's right. He did do the yeah. first album, which is freaking beautiful as well. Like, uh, yeah, awesome, amazing piece of work. Um, yeah, and then we used that logo for every sticker and T-shirt. And, oh know. yeah, yeah. Still got one of those big stickers sitting around. Yeah. So never used, dude. I'm I'm the kind of guy that would get stickers and I wouldn't use them unless I had like three or four. You know. Great. So I still got boxes, like Chucky boxes full of stickers. <laughs> yep, the collectibles. Oh, yeah, dude. What's your favorite art that Sicko had? Album art. Mine is uh, Chef Boy, Are You Dumb? Love that yeah, one. Yeah, that's a good one. No, you know, for me, that first seven inch is the best piece of art. That's just like. It's 
cool perfectly icon. It's like a Coca-Cola logo or something. <laughs> I just looked at that too. Yeah, it looks like you guys ripped off the Coke waves. He might have been doing that actually. Yeah, All it right. just uh, it's so balanced and so designy and so like iconic and it's just like one of those, you know, nobody knew it at the time, but it just was perfect and it was very hard to get. We had a, I think every album cover we did was great. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. But, like, uh, you know, and I picked the artists in every case and, you know, and really helped make that happen and, you know, sort of manage that process. And I was really pleased with how they all came out, but nothing was as good as just this random, like, thing a guy did for 50 bucks while you sitting in bed with a broken <laughs> leg. Like, it, it's too, you know, some things are just magic and you can't capture that. You can't, like, you know, you can't, like, you can't, like, redo that no matter how much time or money you have yeah was there ever gonna be like an actual photo of the band on a cover for you guys ramon style you know <laughs> well have you ever seen the 3t seven inch yeah actually well the mutant pop one yeah i guess i didn't yeah. think about that one yeah, well, yeah there yeah. is that one and tim was had a thing of kind of like a lot of people did he really liked the old sub pop format, oh, you know, yeah. where they have the, yeah, yeah. Band, the bar at the bottom and the top on the seven inches and then a picture of the band, which was, I mean, rad back when they were doing that back in the day. And so he kind of had that idea. He told me that. And so we had to fit into that. And we were, you know, I was really into having tea parties at that time. I don't know what that got, how that got started, <laughs> but I became like the tea party guy and always people coming to our houses for tea parties and, uh, and like, uh, so they were like, yeah, let's just bring Ian's teapots in. And, you know, we were, it was also like Pulp Fiction era. So we, like everybody else, were des- dressing up in like retro suits, you know, when we yeah, would play. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And then somebody, I think that photographer bought this, brought this silly fucking top hat. And Danny's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> He's wearing a bloody top hat. <laughs> so. That one was kind of that was fun, uh, but yeah, there. So that's probably the only one that actually has us on it, though. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that one, but I don't. I think if I'm, if maybe I'm mistaken, but I think the, the uh, the killer one, the one on Killer Records, the version of that was the only one with the top hat, right? You know, that's a good question. I I don't really remember. I, I'm probably wrong, dude. I'm probably wrong, but I mean, I you know, we actually went out and sold a bunch of those. Um, we dug him out of the, you know, the archives, Denny's basement. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and let's see, there was, yeah, no, you're, you're right. You're right. It, the, there was, um, this Finnish one that had the top hat and the American one. Wow. You got better remember the memory than me. The American one had no top hat. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit different picture and. Yeah. yeah, dude. That was that that for a long time. That was one of my favorite seven inches. Three T is a great song. Fun little seven inch. Yeah, yeah. I regret yeah. not doing more of those. Like we should just because we would have songs all the time. We'd wait for an album, but like that that seven inch is just a really nice package and a really fun couple of songs. And you know, not every song is like a, the same. And it's kind of it was pretty cool actually. You guys had a sound though. Sicko had that. I, I can never describe Sicko, but they had a sound. But yeah, there were certain songs like Steven, you know, that were just sort of, just sort of off. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah. Oh, definitely man. it up. Yep. 
Yeah, no, uh, we played that Steven song in Japan one time to all these like super slam dancing, like 16 year old Japanese pop punk fans. And <laughs> we're just playing all our pop punk songs and then busted that out, which is me kind of, you know, I, I have done a lot of twee music as well, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tales from the Birdbath and all that. This is basically a Tales from the Birdbath style song. You could heard a fucking pin drop during that song. <laughs> Those guys just all stood there like, Arms at their sides, stone-faced, didn't applaud, nothing. It was just like, what? It was like, the, and Denny's like, great. Yeah, let's go back to the regular shit, you know? It was really <laughs> funny. Dude, one of my biggest punk rock regrets was not seeing Sicko when you guys played my town way back when. Must have been like like the first tour, 94. Which town were you in? Lacrosse, Wisconsin. Oh, Yep, it would have been, uh, I, I remember, it was like 94. Yeah, that and, sounds uh, about right. You guys played with a band from Seattle called Sister Psychic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, I don't think you were, you weren't on tour, I don't think, but um, uh, the band I was in was playing out of town that night. I should have, I should have bailed. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, you never know. We did get back together a couple years ago. I know. Um uh and uh we did some shows uh just new york uh san francisco portland and seattle yeah um, yeah it's uh you know we talk about it actually josh and i were at a show the other night and he was like we should do it again and i was like yeah i got some kind of carpal tunnel problems in my hand uh so i'm kind of treating that right now so i was thinking if i could get that in better shape um it might be plausible to be in two bands, but at the moment, you're two, like, you know, hard playing bands. Um, at the moment, one is basically kind of all I can really handle yeah. physically without just having a numb hand all the time, which fucking blows. That sucks. Yeah, it's normal. I think it's a lot of guitar players get carpal eventually, you know. Dude, Josh and Denny both live in Seattle still? I thought Denny oh, yeah. lived somewhere else. No, no, Denny lives probably a mile from my house. Oh, Josh wow. lives in a suburb. Oh, God, probably 10 miles out. But, you know, he comes in to practice at Denny's house and their band, The Drolls, like yeah, every, yeah. every week. So, you know, it's uh, we are all see each other. He, I mean, he came to my band's gig last weekend. I came to his band's there see those guys like three weeks ago. So we, they're going to, Subjunctives are having a record release party coming up here. In September, and Drolls are gonna play on the on the show, and so it's uh, we're all still uh, close and see each other quite a bit, and it's pretty cool. That's unbelievable. Like how how tempting is it? Like is it to just get on stage with them and play a sicko song or two? Not or tempting at all, because we had to really? do it one time. Yeah, it's the worst thing ever. Really, um, we had to <laughs> no. do it one time. So Denny's fiftieth birthday party he rented this place in town this club and uh you know had invited all his friends and we were all gonna just go watch him and his band play the drolls this is before josh was in the band and and like their drummer quit over text while <laughs> we're at the bar like he he'd had some problem like i think i got a dewier and something and got sober and didn't want to be in bars or something like that and okay I think it was Hammond and Hahn or something about it. And then he fucking just bailed, you know, at Denny's 50th birthday party. I don't think I have ever seen Julie that mad. It was like, it was like smoke coming out of her ears. She was so fucking mad. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, 
so, like, they were like, we're screwed. Like, Subjunctives had opened and Drolls were going to play. And it was one of the first Subjunctive shows, maybe the first one with Jeff, anyway. Jeff, um, Tahoe Jeff from, uh, from, from Four Lights. And, Four Lights, yeah. And, uh, you know, we'd played, I was about to get a whiskey on. And, you know, I ran into those two and they were like, you know, Denny and Julie, and they were fuming over the drummer. And Denny's like, okay, dude, we're playing some sicko songs. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, I just want to have a drink and relax. And he's like, nope. I go, fine, I'll play bass on your songs, no problem. He goes, oh, no, fucker, you're playing some of your songs, too. I'm like, God, <laughs> you know, like, okay, birthday boy. And so we got up there and it was turgid it was so bad it was just like mm. flow not remembering the parts i mean you know we played it but people were you know like the sicko fans were like oh my god you know but like people who didn't really know about sicko were like uh not really understanding what all the hubbub is here and that was a really great example i think for me of look I've never been in any band that could be good without practicing. Like every band I've ever been in <laughs> has been good from practicing a lot and was very capable of becoming shitty by not practicing for a lot. You could be good and then not practice for two or three months and be shitty all of a sudden. Uh, and like, you know, the songs are the same songs. It could still be good songs, but you play them lousy, you know? And yeah. And all the emotion is gone and, you know, and all that stuff. And it's all wrapped up in trying to get through the song. And also, it's a, you know, it's a hardworking band. That's a lot of stamina physically to do, mm -hmm. especially for Josh playing those drums, you know, <laughs> at his yeah. age. And, you know, me just trying to stand up and sing. <laughs> it's my age. So, like, you know, uh, if Winsicko is doing a thing it's like we practice like for two months twice a week and then it's good and it sounds good and we we are like competent and covering the material and people are you know yeah you guys have still got it blah 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 um and but if we don't do that it's terrible and like i don't want to ever you know have nate demo for example be like, oh man, I always wanted to see them and, and I have a chance to see them and show up and these fat old bastards get up there and barely play these songs like, <laughs> and just ruin whatever memory or history or image, you know, you, I don't know, you know, you hung out with your buddies skateboarding when you were in high school and listened to that record or you met, you and your girlfriend went on a date and you listened to that record, whatever your memory around that is, like, I don't want to pollute that with what a bunch of lousy old fucks these guys are, right? Like, so if we're doing it, we're doing it good, partly because I don't want to be humiliated, but also because I want to respect the memory and the meaning that that band has to all the people that like Sicko. Uh, and so we never want to get on the stage and just do one because, or I never yeah. do, because that means it's going to be a piece of shit and people are going to be like, you know, I'm going to erode that memory for people. So um, it's not a temptation at all. It's like a thing that I, would, I actively avoid. Uh, wow. That said, I would love to get, you know, in a position where we could go and do some more shows. You know, that'd be right. <laughs> but it would have to be like work hard, get ready, you know, be in shape for it and then do them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Two things. I never had a girlfriend that liked Sicko. And... Uh, <laughs> 
Two, I, I've, I've seen like every live video on YouTube of Sicko. Dude, I don't know. I mean, I, I probably would be maybe a little disappointed because you guys back in the day, you tore the stage up. Oh, my God. Well, that I mean, stuff so is much energy doing and, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know it wouldn't be the same, but I'd love to hear those songs live, yeah. man. I mean, yeah. so many good ones. Yeah. Yeah, but I, you yeah. probably, I don't know if you're a look back and reminisce kind of guy, but uh, Sicko was so good, just an important band to so many people, and mm-hmm. dude, whether you like it or not, you're a fucking legend, dude. Oh, I really appreciate you saying that, Nate, thank you. I remember five years ago when we when you were on the podcast, I was like super nervous, you know, <laughs> because you were like one of my, you know, I was in high school when I discovered Sicko, yeah. and so I was a huge fan for years, and and awesome. I just remember thinking, wow, I can't believe this is happening. But we've, we've, after that, dude, it's like you're a normal guy, but I still like, mm. you're still a legend, you know? I uh, super appreciate that. Thanks. It's funny, Sicko is not well known, but to the people that know it, they really like it. And you people write about that sometimes. It's like, yeah, yeah. really small, but super devoted following. It's like, uh, <laughs> that was yeah. that was not the plan, you know. It, what, we didn't really have a plan, but there certainly wasn't anything that random. But that's kind of the slot we fell into. I don't know why. I don't know why or how, but that it's, it's a lot of people like never heard of this, you know. Uh, yeah, or, yeah. You know, they've like blank and you know if they're deep on it they like jawbreaker or something but like most people are like i haven't heard of this but then there's this small number of people that who just love it and i i say i can in my my label i often say this i can sell 50 copies of anything (laughs) so can i (laughs) but only 50 copies (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i have that problem too sometimes yeah i feel you so let me, let me ask you, so I'm going to kind of go into the new record. What I Great. find interesting about this is Sicko is always, you and Sicko were always a band that I thought was very Pacific Northwest, you know? You were on Empty, you seemed to record out there, you didn't, you know what I mean? You were you yeah. seemed to love that area, yeah. but now the new album, the Subjunctives album, you recorded it in Chicago. Yeah. It's not a big deal, I know, but I just thought it was very interesting that you you kind of left the nest a little bit. Yeah, well, so there's a little bit of how we got there. Um, we had done the last record, and just the mix wasn't landing the way that I wanted it to. And so um, Toby and Red Scare recommended, you know, hey, you should call this guy Matt Allison, who has worked on many, many famous records uh, and is sort of, you know, one of the Midwest's bright lights of our genre yeah and you know we sent it over to him and he remixed the record and i was happy and we made the last record and then we started talking about doing the second record and we were like you know what would be fun is to go out to chicago and record with matt allison wouldn't that be fun just like because we do like uh weekends away like we call them you know uh woodshed weekend we rent a cabin and bring the gear out there and practice and cook oh, cool. and hang out in the hot tub and just, you know, make it kind of like a social weekend, but like practice our asses off and, you know, write songs and stuff. Well, we were like, we should do that in, um, in Chicago. And I had lived in Chicago. I went to grad one of the times, one of my master's degrees I did at university of Chicago. Uh, and so I know Chicago and I like Chicago and, uh, and I thought, yeah, we could have some fun out there. 
and also be really focused, no distractions, no, oh, I got to be home for dinner at eight, you know, none of that stuff. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and, you know, benefit from somebody who, you know, j- really knows the, that genre. And, you know, the Midwest has really consistently contributed a lot of pretty fucking epic pop punk bands, uh, you know, going for all sure. the way back to, you know, who's her do. And, and uh, you know, consistently, even to this time, you know, you see these great bands, uh, you know, Tightwire. I don't know if you've heard them that just came oh, out. Yeah, I'm in they're, love with that band. They're epic. Like, those songs are yeah, awesome. Yeah. This band we're going on tour with, uh, they're called Bad Year, which is hilarious because uh, it's a sicko reference. But is great. that a sicko reference? Is it that is where they got sicko. it from? That's I've always sicko. wondered there's, that, dude. There's about three bands out there named after. Uh, sicko songs. They're freaking, no way. No, oh yeah, they're freaking great. Well, they're they're both <laughs> called Bad Year. One is in uh, Colorado. Those guys came out and played a gig with us here. Okay. And then there's another one. I want to say on the East Coast or something. I, I don't remember where that third one is. Uh, I, I know the Bad Year. They're from Milwaukee. They played. They have. They've actually played in my city before. Oh yeah. And yeah. Uh, okay. I just I always assumed, but it's such a you know. I mean, Bad Year. I mean. I've had a lot of bad years, you know, so <laughs> it's hard to say it's named after a sicko song, but that's fucking rad that it is. Yeah. Now, anyway, that's what Toby told me. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's true. <laughs> he told me that okay. they told him that, so it must be true. But oh, yeah, cool. uh, and they were like, yeah, we'll play with you. Uh, so I, I'm pretty sure it's true. <laughs> um, anyway, like, uh, yeah, they're fucking epic, you know, like, so, and I could, you know, I'm bad at listing off, but like, there's a lot of great bands coming out of there and a lot of great sounds coming out of there. So we were just like, oh, let's go, you know. And yeah. uh, so we went out to Chicago. It was super fun. We found a local bar. Like we rent, we did an Airbnb, you know, in one of the little neighborhoods. Found a local bar, ate out, you know, and 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 of course we got to record at Steve Albini's studio, which is like, uh, you know. Um, epic like we had you know weird albini incidents in the hallway and stuff which for me is like a big deal you know uh and and you know this is a place where like you know bob mold tracks you know and the board is the b studio b1 and this is a lot of you know the famous stuff that albini did back in the uh, or studio uh, b i should say studio b is where you know of where a lot of where bob uh where uh i should say steve albini did a lot of the sort of famous stuff you know, th- that board is where he did a lot of famous uh, work in the 80s and 90s. So it was really cool to kind of get in touch with all that. So, um, and, you That's know, awesome. also, Seattle's very like, you know, it's um, it's great. There's a huge music culture. There's a lot of great producers here, great studios. Um, but, you know, you do kind of get this thing where you're from Seattle and you record with Seattle people in Seattle places. And <laughs> you're like, yeah. you know, I've been doing that for 25, 30, well, God, 35 years, 30, 35 years now. And it's kind of interesting to branch out and try something else. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, I think there's a band called Dateless Losers. <laughs> so That's I'm pretty fun. sure of that. If there isn't, I'm going to start one. You should. So. Yeah, dude, that that LB, uh, the Steve Albini studio, that's like down in a pit too, right? Isn't it kind of weird? Well, it's you know, it's like an old um, kind of some kind of old factory, and yeah. it has two stories. And the studio B, the control room is upstairs, and the recording area is da- is on the first floor, and it's all open. And there's like a metal staircase that goes up. So if you want to hear the playback, you have to jog up that metal staircase uh which i had to yeah. do like eight thousand <laughs> times that week which is probably good for my health like i need to move 
Uh, but yeah, it's really a super cool studio. Really <laughs> amazingly put together. Great sounds. Super cool equipment there. Um, and, you know, and famous people. You know, for we're like, you know, everybody leaves a note on the fridge. Well, we put our note up under Fugazi's note. Because we're like, come on, we have to do this. You know? <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So the album's called Let's Try This Again. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the artwork, dude. It's really cool. Who did this? Isn't that sick? Yeah, that's Tom Lowell. So Tom played, I know Tom because he was living out here in Seattle when Pop Punk Festival first took off. He was playing in a band called Listen Lady, which was epic. They were so hmm. cool, like really cool, uh, kind of dinosaur junior-y kind of Lemonheads kind of pop punk stuff. Okay. Um, and so I thought they were one of the coolest bands going in Seattle at the time. Um they have since broken up and folks have scattered all over the country. Tom and his wife moved back to Maine. Um, but he got doing a lot of poster art and record covers and such while he was here. And so we um, so we just were like, oh, yeah, let's call Tom. And, you know, he's uh, he's just he's got a really strong and unique style. Uh, and it, uh, you know, it came out great. Uh, in fact, we've got poster tour posters and stuff that he's done for us for this tour, and um, you know, and and T-shirts and stuff. So he's 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 a he's a super he's a, he's a up and coming artist, I believe. He's gonna get famous and big, and then you won't yeah, be able to right. use him anymore. Probably. I'll just get a tattoo of one of his things <laughs> off a record cover someday. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm just it's one of those album covers that you could just stare at for five minutes and just. Yeah, yeah. He sent me the Photoshop file because I was going to try and do some, like you know, posters and things from it, and he has like twenty five layers on it, like just (laughs) this very meticulous multi layer color outline background. It's really cool. It's awesome. Yeah, no, it looks it looks great. And uh, probably should mention that you sent me the album a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And honestly, between that and the new Tightwire album. That's almost all I've been listening to. Oh, wow. I'm glad you like so, it. I actually do. I, it sounds great. I loved the first record, though, but I think I think it's better than the first one. It certainly sounds better. You know, it's just a little more crisp sounding. Yeah. Songs are great. My favorite's got to be It's a Shame We Didn't Get More Time, Lance. Obviously Whoa. about Lance Hahn from J Church yeah. and Cringer. Dude, I love this song. It's so good, so catchy, but at the same time, it's so sad, man. Yeah, it's really sad. So, were you friends with Lance? Did you know him? Yeah, yeah, I was friends with him. Uh, oh, we man. used to. I mean, everything in that song happened. You know, everything I wrote. Cool. In there. Okay. I'm so um, moved that you. That's the one that you that called out to you. That's a really special song to me. You know, Lance. Uh, I ran into him. Literally, me and Josh were at the Epicenter Zone, which was like a, you know, a record store in San Francisco back in the day. Part of the yeah. whole MRR you know, et cetera, world. Um, Gilman, Epicenter, MRR. We were there, and Cringer had broken up, and they were starting J-Church, and I was flipping through the bins and looking at, oh, here's a new J-Church, and Josh goes, well, yeah, and I go, I liked Cringer better, and there's a dude standing next to me who didn't say anything but was kind of like listening to me talk, and I didn't know what that <laughs> was. Turned out later that dude was Lance. And oh, wow. when I got, we were playing with them, and when I got introduced to him, he started making fun of me. He would always call me Ian. I like uh, Cringer better, Hernandez. Like, uh, so, <laughs> and you can see this actually if you ever watch the Sticko tour video, uh, which 
we uploaded that on the Facebook site at one point, so it's up there. Um, we just, you know, edited together, like, funny, like, you know, vignettes and some live stuff. And there's stuff at the bottom of the hill in San Francisco with um, me and Lance and, like, you know, Dr. Frank and, you know, a bunch of those guys. Yeah. And Lance is just busting my balls about that. And he's just laughing his ass off. So, you know, he was a... He was, you know, sort of brother in arms and music and, you know, they would come up and tour and Sicko would go out with them. And if it sounds like Mr. T experience, Jay Church and Sicko playing would be an epic, right? We were playing to like four people and a dog in Bellingham. Oh. You know, these, this was like before pop punk had really taken off, I think, in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, so we got to spend lots of time together. Like, you know, I'd say in the song, like one time he opened his guitar case and his SG had snapped and I happened to work at a building downtown above a really good guitar shop and like, hey man, let me just take this. And I took it to them and, and I said, hey, this is rush order. You know, they're playing tomorrow. What can you do? They're like, no problem. They sorted it out. You know, so I got his guitar fixed for him. Uh, cool. You know, and you know, he'd come in and out of town. We'd do gigs together. Birdbath played with them, etc. And oh, wow. uh, he was one of those guys that, you know, you see in the context of the music and it's like nothing it's like no time had passed hey what's up dude hey what's up how you guys doing cracking a joke having a good time you wouldn't see each other for two years he was terrible about like returning an email or anything like that he was notorious for that but like you'd see him and and it would and it would be just like no time had passed and i always wished that we could have become closer friends and you know ironically when i moved to england to go to oxford and get my mba you know, it's a really weird thing to move to another country. And so I spent a lot of time kind of um, the way I thought of it is like sort of wrapping myself in, in American music. So I would walk around in these English cities, you know, in this very alien environment to me. And I would have my headphones on and I would listen to One Mississippi and uh, Whorehouse songs and stories over and over and over again. And I just love those songs so much and all the imagery they conjured of San Francisco and this kind of you know, this kind of bohemian, kind of like Bukowski-esque world that he seemed to inhabit. And that was like my safety blanket. And I remember, you know, I, I got through that year, graduated, moved to London to work. I'd been working, you know, I don't know, six months, eight months, something like that. And I just, I, it was nearly Christmas. And I, I was, you know, coming into the office in Canary Wharf and I came up to the top of the, um, I remember going down into the into the tube thinking, I wonder what Lance is up to these days. I came up and the search on my phone completed and it was like, yeah, he died. Oh. You know, changing his I guess getting his blood changed or something. He had he had kind of heart and blood problems, but and it was just really uh you know, leaving home and leaving all of this world that I knew of pop punk and musicians and Seattle and tours and all that stuff, you know, in two thousand well, it was really 2006, um, you know, I, I assumed I could go back. And it just really kind of drove home to me that, like, that world was, like, gone and it wasn't, there wasn't one to go back to. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it was very, like, a, in a sense, it was, like, the sort of final thing, a finality on a chapter of my life and a world that kind of doesn't exist anymore. But at the same time, it was also, you know, it's like he's a person that I, I really liked and really respected and was really p glad to know and always felt like we just have more time because, you know, we'd go touring through, they'd come touring through and we just 
you know, pick up where we left off. And 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 the truth was, we didn't have more time. So that was uh, that's that song. And you know, I like a sad song that has a happy uh, that has a happy uh, music to it. I think that's a good juxtaposition. Tide of Fate was my introduction to Jay Church. Just a just a fantastic EP. So good. He was always like a singer songwriter, but that was playing in a in a band, and it yeah. was really had no rules. Like one song could be like the best pop punk song ever, and then the next one was just kind of noisy. You know what I mean? Just sort of a. Oh yeah. He, he was sort of all over the place, and I always felt oh, like yeah. he just did what he wanted to do. And I mean, his collection, his body of work is amazing. The body of work is amazing. The output is like the only person that I think of that does more than that is like, you know, the guy in Got It by Voices or something. Like Lance Lance's output was like <laughs> it was a running joke. It's like, oh, another J Church single, another J Church record. We were always cracking up. Sicko made four records. I bet J Church made fifty. I, I have no idea. <laughs> like you can't you could never I collected every single cringer record in seven inch ever. Like that was a that was a discog thing for me for a while and and then I thought yeah, I should yeah. do the gay churches, and I looked at him like, "Fuck that!" <laughs> it's impossible. I tried, dude. I really tried. Like, I'd be out at a record store, and I would find like another J Church record. I'm like, I already have this, but I'm like, but this one's got a different cover. Of course, yeah, it's got that, a different yeah. cover. Like, oh shit, you oh, know? Yeah. So then I'd be like, do I actually have this record? Because man, I I have quite the collection, but I'm I'm still a few short, so. 
Yeah, I admired that. I admired the great songs. I admired the way that he settled into a, you know, into this wonderful sound. Particularly later in career, it was like really just his own sound. It's almost like, you know, he's just created this sort of world and then inhabited it. But I, I think the thing that drew me to him initially and kept me with him is his lyrics are very intelligent and he's writing about very intelligent things. And, and, and oh, was, yeah, yeah. for me, you know, I was really entranced by the idea of punk rock intellectuals. There's another song on that, on this new record called smart punks, which yeah, is yeah, about yeah, of course. this whole, uh, Larry Livermore. I actually got, I wrote Larry to get some quotes for that song, you know, like, some Oh ideas. really? Cool. And, and I read like a million old, uh, MRRs and stuff. Um, you know, and that whole idea of smart punks and people that, you know, are doing this music, but are intellectuals really just entranced me. And I, I loved the idea of these really smart guys in this, you know, world that previously had been very anti-intellectual, um, you know, kind of prior to 88, not 89. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I love Black Flag, right? I've got a Black Flag tattoo, but I love there's sort of something really alluring to me about these smart punks and lance is i think the first one that i came across denny recommended them and i i picked up the karen seven inch and it was like wow I just it blew my mind <laughs> There's a number of themes in this record 
you know, one theme is sort of, you know, trying it again. It's like us talking about, you know, post-pandemic. We sort of wound up to making that first record, released it in November, did some shows in January and February, did a festival in January, did a show in February, and maybe even one in March, and then got shut down. Uh, yeah. And so that record, we didn't really get a chance to work on work from that record and, you know, get in front of people and do a tour and all that stuff that we wanted to do. And the pandemic put several years between us making that record and being able to, you know, once again be a functioning band. And we wanted to, without being super, like, you know, on the nose about COVID and stuff, because that's a really overdone subject, we did want to sort of, sort of, like, acknowledge that by saying, hey, yeah, let's try this again. Uh, and, um, you know, another theme, there's a lot of sort of 90s pop punk culture references and, um, you know, and even musically, we're sort of like referencing bands like J Church and Mr. T Experience and some of, and Snuff and, you know, and those, those great bands uh, from that era. Can I, can I mention there's a sicko cover on here? <laughs> you sure can. <laughs> it surprised me because I was just like listening and all of a sudden it came on and I had to look at my phone like, what? You know? But um, the guitar yeah. sound that you got on uh, on Believe Here is so Bob Mold sounding. And it made <laughs> me realize how much sicko sounded, the guitar sound. You had that sound back then, but you have it way, way more now. But That's true. It um, is really directly constructed that way now. Is there a reason why you covered that song? Um, so Denny and Josh, the, the Drolls, they did a their record last year, uh, and they covered a song called Rehashed. And they called it Rehashed, and then parenthetically Rehashed. So it's Rehashed, Rehashed. Uh, and I thought it would be funny to do one of our songs, Rehashed. So that's why it's Believe Rehashed. I didn't, um, even, I didn't even think of that. I didn't even think yeah. of the, the... Cool. I thought it would be fun to put a sicko song on there. You know, people you know recognize and like sicko and stuff and i thought that might be that might be fun it's also we've got a drummer who's you know like a friggin robot you know machine gun <laughs> right now so yeah i thought it would be like i'm like well if i'm gonna do one of the hardcore typey more hardcore type songs right uh with this, that fast beat uh now's the time uh with wendell and uh, I did, my main goal was it had to be a little faster than the original because Denny's rehashed that they just did in Drolls is a little slower than the original. So I thought it would be funny to uh, to make <laughs> yeah. it. So it's like two beats per minute faster. So uh, it's, uh, it was, it's probably just a, an unnecessary elaborate sicko in joke. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I not, there's nothing more fun than getting a laugh out of those guys. So. It sounds great. I mean, your voice sounds. It, it's it's weird. You can t I can hear the change. You know what I mean. Yeah. You don't have the yeah. same voice as you did twenty five years no. ago. No. You still sound really really good. Thank you. It's definitely a, a fun little moment in the record. Yeah, it's sort of it's a cool. fun fun idea. I was a little worried because I didn't I didn't like I said I didn't look at all the song titles at first, but I thought there was going to be a Black Flag cover, and I was like, what? No way, you know. Um, and, uh, rise you above, you know. Yeah, then, did you uh, track that? Like, uh, <laughs> so you 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 heard it when it started, and you thought, "Oh God, they're doing this." Yeah, and then I was just like, "Oh, I, I was actually gonna probably skip it." I was like, ah, "I don't want, <laughs> I don't need to hear this song." But I thought it fit, dude. I'm like, "What? Well, actually, it's a cool intro for that song." Well, we have a friend who will remain unnamed who, for a while, <laughs> uh, 
he got really uh, buff at one point and uh, started going to shows mean mugging people, like being tough guy. Oh, uh, no. He's a really great guy. <laughs> he's actually a really good friend of ours. We think it's super funny. And um, uh, <laughs> and uh, so we had this idea that he had gone to the Henry Rollins School of Menacing. <laughs> uh, and uh, so that's... And then, you know, it's one of those songs where you've got, you know, this idea and then somebody says, well, this would be funny. And then somebody says, well, this would be even more funny. And then you sort of, now you have a song that's like, you know, one funny thing on top of another. And so that's how we ended up with Rise Above at the beginning of that song. It's funny because you see the old guys at shows, like kind of light, their eyes light up when that song, when the, when we start with those chords and then it goes into like a pop punk song. It's kind of like, uh, it, it's, it's a, I don't know, it's funny to sort of torture them a little bit. They walk out then. Yeah, they're like, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? When is the release date on this thing? September I don't even know. 15th. Nice. Nice. People are going to dig it. I hope. You know? I hope so, too. I mean, that's always the idea. And you got to... Um, I, I, I did forget... I up until like just you mentioned bad year, but you guys are touring uh, the Midwest a little bit coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That should be a lot of fun. Um, you know, so much credit goes to Bad Year because uh, they're like, you know, they know how to do tours out there, and I don't know how to do that. So they are really yeah. <laughs> without them, we'd be like, you know, playing one night somewhere or something. And uh, yeah. so they really made it happen. They've been so helpful and really great. And it'll be awesome, too, because they're a super popular band and they're really, really good. So it'll be awesome to, to be out playing with those guys. But, you know, it kind of all started with that. We had such a great time in Chicago um, and, you know, really enjoyed going out in the city and stuff. And we were like, we should fly back and play here sometime, you know, like make that a holiday weekend. And then... You know, and then Toby put us in touch with those guys in Bad Year, and they're like, hey, let's go out for a few more than just two dates, you know? And so then yeah. it turned into six, and now I'm like, okay, I better I better start exercising a little bit more or else I'm going to, like, <laughs> die on night three. So, like, I, I got to I gotta get in shape a little bit to, to make it to make it work. Uh, uh, so that'll just be fun. You know, we could go anywhere and play shows because, you know, there's – such a great punk rock network out there uh to set stuff like this up but um you know i like the midwest and the midwest has oh, great yeah. punk bands um the best dive bars in the world are in the midwest uh i think uh and just uh you know lots of great food and so it's gonna be a lot of fun uh and we're you know we're really excited about that trip um i think cool. it's also not a lot of bands our age are like Oh yeah, let's go on tour. You know, like maybe playing two nights <laughs> in a row, you know, in Seattle and Tacoma or something. But not like, uh, and so it's a little bit of an adventure. We'll see how you know. We'll see how my back holds up and stuff like that. But uh, uh, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. So it's uh, end of September, Chicago, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Louisville, basically Cincinnati, Cleveland, Fort Wayne. If you're in the the path, gotta go check them out. Oh, thanks, man. All right, this might be ridiculous, but I got to know. The bar that closed, there was some controversy in Seattle. The Kraken Bar, right? Yes, that's right. So I remember seeing this on Facebook, and I remember there was there seemed to be some pissed off people. Oh, yeah. So what was, what was the deal? Like there was a bar called the Kraken Bar, and then yeah. the hockey team wanted their own bar? and Yeah. 
Yeah, we have a long relationship with this bar. It was like a big inspiration for me getting back into playing music. And, you know, uh, that's maybe another story. But, um, you know, Kraken was the epicenter of punk rock, indie punk rock in Seattle. It's the main place. There are other places that do punk shows, but that is the place. And um, uh, we played there regularly for years. Um, they're so supportive. Um, you know, and then, and they'd been a bar for 10 years and then we got a hockey team, which we'd never had one here in Seattle. And yeah, yeah. we got a, I don't know much about sports, but a major league hockey team or whatever you call it. And, yeah, yeah. uh, NHL, NHL hockey team. That's, there you go. And, uh, um, they came in and they're going to be called the Kraken. And we're like, Oh great. Here we go. You know, <laughs> you know, Fuck. and. By this time, way before this, you know, Subjunctives had made a video called At the Kraken, of a song called At the Kraken, which was all about the characters that hang out at the yeah. Kraken. It's a super cute little local bar, you know, kind of, you know, uh, you know, Seattle's number one pirate theme punk rock dive bar is like the, is the, is the chorus, right? Uh, and uh, uh, <laughs> it is a pirate theme punk rock dive bar too. It's very funny. They actually have that written on their like Facebook page. We are Seattle's number one pirate theme punk rock dive bar uh and so um yeah this this hockey team came along and was like uh yeah we're calling our bar the kraken bar and the and the guys at the real kraken were like okay that's not okay you can't just like take our name it's going to confuse people you know we're a small business with low margins and that's you know please be more respectful and find your own name and uh, they ignored the Kraken for a while. Uh, they, our bar, the Kraken, for a while. Then I got interviewed on the news um, uh, about it, and they played like the bar, the, the video on the news, and all this kind of stuff. And they, the the Kraken, I believe, the Kraken bar actually did a lawsuit or something. And I, you know, all the details are secret. Nobody ever told me. But basically, in the long run the hockey team changed their name of their bar. Um, and then, uh, and so our Kraken was sort of, you know, kept intact and, you cool. know, hockey fans can go and drink beer at this hockey place. And, uh, and you know, it's just not named the Kraken. Um, the, unfortunately then though, about a year, well, maybe eight months ago, um, you know, like so many bars, great punk bars in Seattle, we lost, they lost their lease. Um, and the bar, the building is getting knocked down to put in apartments. Uh, you know, Seattle needs apartments. We are way overcrowded and, you know, and, and rent is way, way, way too high. And there's a lot of homeless people. So we need more, uh, we need more housing. And so it's not that housing is bad. Uh, it's just, it's really sad when it comes at the expense of the one place in town that's really like the mecca of, of your music genre. Yeah. Uh, you know, so Drunk Tips played in the last night there lying around the block it's, you know everybody's at the end crying and hugging and stuff they are building a new one right now they're like there's an old building that was totally trashed inside and gutted and they're sort of rebuilding that on the inside and allegedly like october it may come back open again it's going to come back oh open cool. Again. cool so cool yeah it's 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 a it's just such a incredible resource an important resource to us uh so we're very pleased that it's you know it's it's coming back uh uh, but yeah, that's and there's more cracking stories, but that's the main story. Yeah. So so like, but 
I'm not sure what Kraken is. The Kraken was like some weird uh, sea creature, right? Something? Um, yeah. I think the Kraken is... Is the story around Seattle or something? Is that why the hockey team would fucking name their team the Kraken? No, like, I think the Kraken is just... Well, I mean, the Kraken... Kraken is like what, like, like ancient sailors called, like, a giant, giant squid or something. Okay, right. it just seems like, fucking dumb for a hockey team to name their well, team that, you know what I mean? Yeah, they had a contest and whatever, and Seattle's sort of famous <laughs> for naming things stupid shit, and it's like, really? What do we have? I mean, I will say this. We do have the largest, technically, uh, giant octopuses, largest octopus in the world are in Puget Sound. Uh, and oh, okay. So, I mean, they're not like eat a ship or something they're like you know eight feet across or something <laughs> but like yeah, they yeah. do have some big octopuses uh here uh so maybe that's it i think it's more like it must just, be yeah yeah you know it, it probably more like a bunch of knuckleheads being thinking about uh that old uh sword and sandal movie where they're like unleash the kraken you know like it's probably more that than yeah, some yeah. interest in local biology or historical like uh, folklore of sailors so but i'm i'm the worst person to know because i i just don't follow any sports whatsoever and i don't know anything about sports and so the whole thing is a little bit of a mystery to me i think it's fucking cool that uh the kraken bar stood up and sort of held their own against a, a major sports team that's cool they're tough like they're the <laughs> nicest people you'll meet, but do not fuck with them because they will fight you. And, uh, I mean, like, you know, uh, miscreants that come into the bar will get thrown out the door. And also irresponsible uh, corporate actors, they will get that lawsuit. And, you know, to be honest with you, like, uh, the press was not good for the hockey team. They're really kind of coming across like they're stomping on the little guy, coming into town, throwing money around, you know, building million dollar bar, uh, and not thinking about people who'd been here. And so they screwed with the wrong people. And in the end, they did the right thing and they backed off. So uh, I hope they gave the Kraken bar some money too. I don't know if that happened, but I hope they did. Hey, is the uh, is the uh, Comet Tavern still around? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. I remember that place when I was out there. Yeah, no, it's still there. I mean, that neighborhood is very different now. It's very expensive and full of like fancy bars, and you know, um, uh, I don't think the Comet does. Well, they certainly don't do punk shows anymore. It used to be a real dive back in the day, uh, but you know, I, I don't really go to that part of town too much because it's really a lot of young like tech workers partying. Uh, oh, okay, so it's okay. sort of like. A place to avoid, for the most part. This was like 20 years ago when I was there. Yeah. So You know, when uh, the first time I heard Smells Like Teen Spirit, like right when it came out, they played it on the stereo there. Huh. And somebody was like, oh, this is the new uh, Nirvana. And everyone was like, holy shit, this is going to be huge. Um, which was, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. was weird at that time that that could happen. Of course, a lot did happen after that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's let's quick talk about... um. Uh, Seattle Pop Punk Fest. Oh, yeah. This is number five. This is number five. That's what I was yeah. thinking. And, dude, you got maybe one of the greatest bands of all time, Dirt Bike Annie, to play. Oh, dude. I'm so glad you said that. I I <laughs> love those guys. Like, 
I man, they're such a great band. They their song uh, "Grape Crush" is oh, like yeah. one of the best. To me, it's like I often cite it as the greatest pop punk song ever. Right? Oh wow! Uh, it's just it's so perfect. Uh, it was weird, you know. Reba's band was playing this was twenty years ago, playing down in downtown Seattle, South Soto, south of downtown. And I was like, whatever. And I went out of the club and went to another club. And I heard this, you know, you know, some of this other band wa- playings and whatever is hanging around. And this guy comes up to me and he says, hey, aren't you Ian from Sicko? And I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, what is this? Turns <laughs> out it's Adam Raybuck, right? And I didn't know him. Cool. Um, but he was on tour with them. And I think Mike Erg was playing drums yep. with them. And, you know, they were all really young. This was like early 2000s. And I was already old. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, I'll check out your band. And they were fucking rad. And I was like, Reba, you got to check out these guys. So we stayed in touch. Then Birdbath played with them when they came back out. Uh, and then they stayed at my house and we just became friends. And, you know, um, and I was, I have been bugging them for a number of years now to get back together and play on my fest. I'm pretty good at trick, like tricking, cajoling, guilting, <laughs> overpromising people to come back together and play at my fest. Uh, and I actually didn't have to do much work this time because Jeff went, Jeff Tahoe went out to a fest in New York a couple weeks back, and he's like, "Dude, dirt bike Annie played," and I'm like, "Oh." I am going to strike while the iron is hot. <laughs> it's like, you guys want to do this? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, it's in, made the announcement. The copyrights and I had been talking for several years. Um, they are like a big heavy hitter band, like really yeah, kind yeah. of outclass our little festival in some ways. Uh, but they're friends, I think again with Tahoe, but like, you know, they're just like down for this kind of event. Uh, and they just couldn't, the scheduling didn't work out previously. And so they were like, and, you know, I, so I talked to them and then, you know, I had my two headliners um, and that was pretty much perfect. And now we're slotting in with, you know, all the other great local bands. There's going to be, you know, um, you know, Dead Bars is going to play again. Um, we've got uh, a band called Night Court from Vancouver, B.C. They just Night put out Court? A- yeah, oh, you got to yeah, check them out. They're, uh, they they just put out a record on Snappy Little Numbers, um, which are the guys in the other bad year. Um, Nightcourt's sick. They're so good. Um, and so they're coming down. Um, you know, uh, I was mentioning my friend Aaron uh, Bell from Slave to the Needle Tattoos here. His band, Red Reaction, are going to play. You know, and, and of course, subjunctives always manage to you know shoehorn ourselves in somewhere. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we're gonna have Goodbye Viking. We've got a ton of great, like just local pop punk bands that are gonna be on this. Uh, and you know, it's of course everyone's just like losing their minds because we're gonna have the copyrights and dirt bike. Uh, so yeah, it's gonna yeah. be, it's gonna be so. Le- it's gonna be a really legit fest. I've always felt that they're legit. But the piece that I always worry about is that I might let people down and have, like, an okay festival. Like, not have, like, a, a festival that was really memorable and wonderful and, like, the bands were just f- fucking hand-picked epic bands, you know? And, like, I'm feeling now, like, I can... W- with the lineup that's coming this time, I'm like, oh, every square inch of this is just 
super, super legit. No one could come to this festival and think anything other than, oh my God, what a great night. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be sick. You should find a way to get yourself out here. Oh, You're definitely dude. on the guest list. <laughs> nice, nice. When's the, um, when's the official poster coming out? I'm waiting because they always have the best artwork, you know? Yeah, I gotta find my artist. Um, that will probably be, I guess, probably like November, October, November is when I'll okay. really start pushing it. You know, I just made myself a really quick little poster to kind of solidify the copyrights dirt bike thing uh, and get people excited and kind of talking about it. That's my teaser. Um, but I, you know, I'll really start pushing it kind of in the fall, and that and we'll get a rad poster and you know, uh, yeah, yeah. And, Cool. really good art and stuff and so it'll it, it'll be it'll be awesome it'll be awesome hopefully uh hopefully hopefully dirt bike annie is like back back you know maybe we'll get some new music from them maybe yeah and you know i think that would be great they really yeah. are one of you know the great pop punk bands of that era um and it's they're a real treasure they're all lovely lovely people super good players uh, and they've got a real sense of the hook, you know? Um, so yeah. I can only cross my fingers that we'll get lots and lots of dirt bike. Absolutely, dude. Well, I am I wanted to make sure that I brought it up. Congratulations on getting them way, way out there. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's Thank like you. you guys flying to Chicago to the Midwest to play some shows is a big deal. But those guys are flying from New York to Seattle. You can't get oh, any yeah. further, you know? So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's... No, it's... Uh, it's sick. It's like a total, you know, I mean, there's a whole other side of doing a, of these festivals. Like, you know, is the, there's a, at one end of the whole thing, there's some guy who's patting himself on the back saying, Ooh, I got that one. Yes. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, dude. So mm -hmm. that's, that's really cool. Like you, I mean, there's so many good fests now, you know what I mean? But I think the really Seattle are. Pop Punk Fest is definitely, it's definitely on the list, you know? Yeah, it's so. really, you know, organic and small. You know, there's not a lot of money, so a lot of bigger bands are like, well, you know, you, I pay for everything out of my pocket, and, and then everything comes back out of the door to reimburse stuff. And so it's not like a, it's not like these big festivals where there's some, you know, corporate sponsor or something. Uh, you yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's a, it's a local scene-based deal where we bring in a couple of out of town just rad acts to make help get people excited about it and you know it's in a lot of ways it's by for and about this local pop punk community so in a way you know i mean i don't think the descendants will ever play on, <laughs> i love the descendants yeah, yeah. right yeah, i super yeah. love the descendants but like i can't imagine that we would you know be the stature or pay that would like make those a-list bands come um you know, but then again, the copyrights, which they're like punched way above our weight, uh, they said yes just based on thinking it's cool. So maybe there's something about doing like a really, you know, ultra sincere local arts festival that is, you know, that that people are just like, oh no, I'm down. I don't care about. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't care care that we don't have a trailer. You know, or whatever. I don't know what you get when you're a big band, but I've never been in one. But. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not you know, sure either. Yeah, there's no deli tray. <laughs> Ian will buy you a drink though. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Well, if I uh, I will definitely pay my own way if I can make it out there. I don't I don't need Ooh. the guest list thing, but uh, <laughs> buy me a drink. 
I would love to see you out here. We, it would be fun to 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 do a pop punk festival special edition and you know get some bands yeah, and get some get some uh, live tracks and stuff from the board and uh, that would be really. We anyway, think about it. We, we could work out something really fun uh, if if you were interested and dirt bike. So you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I will definitely be doing a Seattle pop punk festival episode. Nice. Some, something devoted to the bands that are playing. You know, nice. Because I, I, I look at the old posters and it's like, oh, man, I, obviously these bands aren't big, but I'm looking at 2019 and it's like, oh, the wannabes, you know, great fucking band. So the good. Smugglers, the Hextalls. It's like, holy oh, shit. Oh, Hextalls are, are looking into coming. They haven't said yes. Oh, yet. really? They're oh, looking man. into coming. They wrote <laughs> me. Cool. I was like, I can get the Hextalls. I didn't even ask them. And they're like, they're checking it out. I don't know if we're going to get them, but they're checking it out. I don't. Yeah, I didn't even know that they were. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So. I just think it's. Uh, yeah, no, those. I mean, there's been a, a lot of it's. You know, I mean, I'm not that smart, and I'm not that turned on to the world. I, I'm more of like a getter dunner, and you know, like I'll go down to Singles Going Steady and talk to Byron. And he's like, "Well, have you heard this band?" And I'm like, "No, I have not." You know, and then it's like, you know, uh, it's. It's like the wannabes. And I'm like, why don't I know about this? This is the best record ever. This is so epic. You know, and, I'm, and I called them and put it together and we're friends now. And we had a wonderful show. They played great, you know. Um, and I can't, I think it was Tahoe that turned me on to the Hextalls. And I was like, why have I not heard this song before? This is one of the hookiest songs I've ever heard. So I like, I rely on friends a lot to sort of suggest things to me and, you know, and, and, and I and from that, I just learn about all these great bands. And, uh, you know, and I'm really good at, uh, I think the one thing I'm probably actually good at is just getting the plan together and making it actually happen and sort of cranking the sausage machine. And, and I'm really happy to be in a position to be able to do that and to, you know, just help bring all these great people together. So it's, uh, it's also not bad to have your band sandwiched in between, you know, Dirt Bike Annie and, <laughs> and, and you know, the Hex Dolls or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I, is Singles singles Going Steady still open? Oh, yeah? Wow. They did some weird thing where they got a, like, 30-year lease or something weird like that. Like, it, it's a kind of business that would never even be potentially possible to run in downtown Seattle, right? But, I mean, it's a little punk record store like no way yeah. and working with a great hardcore section right? <laughs> like that is not recipe for making a lot of money but I, I think they just got some incredible deal on the real estate a long time ago and so they're able to keep it open and it's a pretty much a, it's an it's a mecca I mean it is yeah, yeah. those guys are super knowledgeable they're really dedicated to the art form and the and the uh, and the material that's available there is just like fully legit. That's that's incredible. I had I had no idea they were still there. So cool. Well, I wish you the uh, the best of luck with everything. You know. Oh, thank you so much. I I can't say enough good things about the new album. I love it, dude. I've been listening. I'm kind of getting sick of it actually. I've been listening <laughs> to it that much where it's like Jesus. But um, I really appreciate. I'm so glad to hear that. You know, we just make them in a vacuum and. We think, well, I hope people will like it, and <laughs> we try to do good. Uh, you don't, you don't always succeed uh, at that, and so it's, it's really nice to hear that. And you know, I'm just glad you're playing it. Yeah, yeah. Is there going to be uh, some pre-orders up or anything like that, or is it up for pre-order? Pre I don't even know. Pre-orders are on. You can just go to tdrex, tdrecs.com, and 
you can pre-order your copy there. Um, CD or LP. I recommend LP if you can because the art is freaking epic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, Tom did a super duper good job. Um, and so that's sort of the, you know, one of the benefits of the art form, right? Let me ask you real quick before we go. Is there any, uh, the Punk Rock Museum in Las Vegas opened up, right? Anything okay. sicko in there? Have you heard anything? I have not. Um, you know, if there's one sicko fan there, if, if there's just normal punk rockers there, then they probably will not have heard of us and there won't be. If there's one sicko fan in there, though... They'll be they'll be like trying to get everything in there because that's the, that's the <laughs> pattern. It's like yeah. it's very small but very dedicated following. Well, I just saw like just two days ago that Rev Norb's uh, geek helmet with the antlers is in the Punk Rock Museum. So I mean, I can't think of a better thing to be in the Punk Rock Museum than that. Maybe Greg Ginn's uh, Lucite guitar, but. Uh, uh, Rev's helmet, that's pretty cool. I, I <laughs> so, fully approve that move. I, I couldn't believe it. I had never heard it, but somebody, I think it was, uh, I think it was either, um, KJ was there. KJ was doing a tour and he took a picture and posted it. So I thought it was cool. That's so cool. Wow. What are they, I don't even know what, what they've got. I've never, I, I've heard people talk about this thing. I don't know anything about it. Well, maybe, maybe you'll get asked to do one of the, the tours you know you'll be a you'll be a guide <laughs> so. that would be hilarious ronnie from the muffs just did one dude that's awesome yeah i mean he's muffs i mean you can't go wrong there but hey, oh. i was gonna ask you about the fastbacks dude oh yeah like okay. the fastbacks new song they had out they did a muffs cover yeah and uh some reissues are coming out yep is no, it's they, you know, I, I told, I wrote Kurt the other day and I said, I, I know you guys were doing some recording and he says, well, we're talking about it. And like my wife knows a lady who knows somebody, you know, and the, the rumor mill just goes blah, 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 and everybody's talking about it. And I'm like, Hey, you know, I know you guys don't like to do live shows, but, uh, there is a slot on the pop punk festival available for the fastbacks if you decide at any point between today and the last day of the festival you want to be on, you will be on. And uh, he's like, thank you very much. Probably not going to happen. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, they uh, they do occasionally put stuff together. And, you know, they're a pretty magic unit, um, the four of them. And, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, in the last record I made a song called The Fastbacks Fast of the Greatest Band in History, So Fuck You. yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, I, and I have the fastbacks tattoo, uh, to go with it. Uh, yep. um, I'm probably an uncom uncomfortably exuberant fanboy for those guys. Uh, so I appreciate how tolerant they are. <laughs> uh, they're one of their eyes. They're one of the most special bands ever. They're, I mean, they're totally Seattle's first pop punk band. They started in 1979. Um, they were Crazy. the absolute kings of the deal in nine, in the nineties. They were local favorites in the 80s and and by the early 90s they were just you couldn't stop them um for whatever reason things did not line up for them to become you know bigger than blink 182 which is really a shame as far as yeah, I'm yeah. concerned. Totally. Uh, but um you know they're just super talented and interesting and iconic people and they just make great things when they get together um and they're a real inspiration because they're still doing stuff, some stuff, you know, even though they started playing in the 70s. 
It's uh, crazy. And, like, it's hard enough. I started really playing, you know, in Sicko in the early 90s. It's hard enough keeping going, you know, when you're at my young age. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And, you know, you see people come and go and, you know, they, 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 do, they do music and they get excited and they spend time and... And they, you know, maybe they get families or jobs or tired of it or whatever. Somebody moves and there's always a lot of good reasons to quit a band. And, you know, uh, um, then, you know, so the people that stick around, even, you know, for the last 10, 12 years that I've been back at it, you know, since I took a break, uh, you see people come and go. And the people that stick around, you know, it's always impressive when you see them do it. Um and the fact that the fastbacks are still doing stuff, you know, it's, I just am like blown away. And, I, you know, Kurt goes to more shows than I do. You know, mm. I'll go out and I'll be like, you know, I'll be this, you know, he'll be him and me and a few other people from our era uh, and, well, you know, our shared era, and, and, and but not many. Uh, so it's kind of uh, their inspirations in many ways. Yeah, dude, I, I know you're a huge fan, so I knew that would get you going a little bit. So, <laughs> quarter in the fastbacks machine, yeah. <laughs> well, if anybody if anybody else belongs in the uh, the punk rock museum, it's certainly the fastbacks. Oh my god, yeah. I wouldn't totally. be surprised if there was something in there. You know, there has I, to be. I mean, you know, there are there have been exhibits at the um, Experience Music Project up here. Yeah, yeah. Or I guess it's called Mopop now. Uh, Mopop? They what is that? Yeah. Mm, Museum of Pop? I don't know. Wow. I don't know. Uh, they changed it from the experience to the Mopop. I think maybe, I can't remember. It might have been before Paul Allen died. I'm not sure. Um, but they have, you know, guitar collections and, you know, and memorabilia yeah, collections. Yeah. And uh, they've had a few um, uh, punk ones. Yeah. Uh, and which were interesting, um, you know, like Greg, one of Greg Ginn's guitars and um, stuff like that, you know, and then, you know, stuff from the Fastbacks and has been, you know, it represented there uh, equally along with some of those other great, you know, big, you know, the, when you think about the Agent Orange and Black Flag and Dead Kennedys and those kind of bands and Misfit. And, um I think some of that's a little bit of local boosterism, but, you know, in my book, uh, you know, they absolutely deserve that uh, for their for their contribution. Uh, they should be along with all of those most famous bands. Uh, I went to the EMP once 20 years ago, and yeah. uh, they had a they had a Minneapolis section happening wow. and they had the, ca the cash register from 7th Street entry. That's <laughs> so that was pretty cool. And uh, I can't remember what else, but that was that was sort of like the the cool piece, you know. Well, a Minneapolis exhibit. I never saw that one. That must have been super awesome. Yeah, that would have been probably like two thousand, two thousand one, I suppose. Yeah, two thousand one or two thousand. Yeah. I mean, it's That's a very cool, strange dude. museum, but like in every way. But it's like you got to hand it to them. I mean, who can do a Minneapolis rock music exhibit? <laughs> like no other. There's no other museum in the world that's going to do that. Like the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is not going to do that, right? No, no, that's not happening. Although I guess maybe this new punk rock museum. Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they might. Um, no, I just thought that, that's a weird building. It's in a weird. It's you know, it's right on the Seattle Center, right? So it's 
Oh yeah. I mean, they got to pay the bills, so you wouldn't think that they you think they'd be doing some more, you know, Taylor Swift or something, you know, something yeah, to bring the people in. But. There's a lot of corporate events that go on there. They get a lot of tourists because they are in the Seattle Center. Um, they have a lot of like they have really high quality performance spaces. Um, you know, sometimes it becomes a little science museum museumish, you know, where it's like a lot of stuff for kids to sort of play with um you know uh like you know make your own band whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um and i think that's cool i you know as a i suppose it's easy to be skeptical of a billionaire's pet project but you know you know I, when you think about what the sort of the space they provided and you know the sort of community aspect they provided and then also just marking you know, some pretty important historical artifacts and people. I think that's, it's pretty legit, actually. Yeah. And they've managed yeah, yeah. to, I, I don't, I mean, I don't think they're picking any money from Paul Allen anymore. He's been gone for a number of years now. Seventh so. Street Entry Cash Register. Can't, can't go wrong, so. That's so cool. I wonder if they have a Bob <laughs> Wolkendor. I just remember the, the first floor was all like, uh, basically Seattle guys. Jimi Hendrix and then Kurt Cobain and stuff. They had yeah. like like the little walkthrough tour, and then the second floor was where the the other stuff was. You know. Yeah, there is kind of this like, like I mean, if you're like on any of the Seattle music groups on Facebook or whatever, it's like all the time. Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, yeah, yeah. Pearl Jam, and Jimi Hendrix and Heart. You know, and it's just like. <laughs> I've never yeah. been a Pearl Jam or Alice in Chains fan. Uh, I like some Soundgarden, love Nirvana, love Heart. I mean, I don't know how you could even say you like rock music if you don't like Jimi Hendrix um, at some point, you know, of his career. Uh, but, like, it's like there's so much more, and we never stop talking about those six artists here, you know? It's kind of like... It's sort of like it's at some point you're like okay really another Alice in Chains picture another Chris Cornell picture yeah, yeah. oh here's another live you know show of of Nirvana it's like well they're a great band but it's sort of it's almost like you could get the sense sometimes that there were only ever six bands in Seattle <laughs> yeah yeah well that was a that was a major moment in musical history you know what i mean really that really the transition from you know 80s metal to alternative rock you know oh yeah for sure this is like a sleepy little fishing in aerospace like in logging town like it is not <laughs> like uh, it's not you people you know and when i was in high school people left seattle to do music in, in los angeles that's what happened right like people didn't come to seattle for music it, that was you know, it was a backwater, and the fact that I went away to college and it was a backwater in 1987, and then I came back in 1991 and it was the biggest thing ever, like, was very weird and surprising, like, not a thing that you would really expect, um, by any stretch, uh, and it, after a while it became sort of like, um, you know, you just... It was just, you know, it just was part of the, the landscape, you know, grunge and people talking about Kurt Cobain and grunge tours and, you know, everybody moving here to play in bands and stuff. And it became sort of, you know, normal and expected, but it was, um, it was just a strange transition 
for a town that never had traffic jams when I was growing, was growing up, you know, like a town that had, you know, that was pretty sleepy. And, um, you know, I, it, it's easy to, it was great for us because one, you know, we were playing punk and pop punk, which was kind of like the smarty pants corner, you know, latest thing in the very early nineties of the punk world. And grunge was here and it was pretty, you know, meat heady. Right. And, uh, uh, and, um, you know, it was very easy to say, oh, we're not like those grunge people, you know, we're different, you know, like that was a really easy sort of foil, right? Um, and then uh, at the same time, so many people were moving to Seattle to work and live and whatever, and they wanted to go out and do music. So you could play the Crocodile Cafe on a Wednesday night and there'd be 200 people there who didn't even know your band, like, but they just wanted to go out and see bands. So... There is a huge just benefit to being a gigging band in that context of everyone being frantic about music. Like we just, we just, we benefited enormously from that, even though that was not, you know, I have a few of those records, but like that was not really our thing. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. It's yeah. cool that you were kind of, you kind of lived through that though out there. It was interesting. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, glad. For sure. I mean, uh, there's plenty of time to be in a sleepy nowhere town uh like in life uh you uh, you know being at the epicenter of something huge and puzzling uh is kind of a rare and weird experience so i'm glad i got to experience it i don't think i would probably want to do it again but it, I, i'm it, it's interesting to have that in my sort of personal history well um i will have the final word on this seattle bullshit sicko is the greatest band from seattle ever <laughs> That is fact here at the Dummy Room, dude. Approved. <laughs> yes. All right, dude. Well, I'm going to let you go because it's getting late for me. Yeah, and me uh, usually I talk to people further in time than me, you know, East Coast guys. Oh, yeah. So you're, you're behind me. So that's cool, though. Um, if you want to come back to promote the, uh, the fest, you're more than welcome. Oh, let's do it for sure. That would be so helpful. Um, I will absolutely reach out about that. And uh, Absolutely. Your guest list spot is. Uh, you let me know if you want to do something about it or come out or whatever. We'll we'll definitely do something with it. That would be wonderful. And uh, be awesome. you know, thank you for supporting the Subjunctives and Sicko and the Fest and Top Door and stuff. Really appreciate it, Nate. Oh, dude, that's killer. Thank you for all the uh, killer music through through the years. It's not enough though. I'll tell you that. So keep it up, dude. It's. I think it's the thing I'm going to do. Like uh, yeah. I kind of think I figured out the thing I like to do and. I'm not too worried about, you know, becoming a professional at this point. It's just <laughs> kind of, it's just what, it's what we all like to do. You're looking like a rocker now with all those tattoos. So now yeah. you keep going. <laughs> rocker Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, dude. Enjoy the rest of your night. Everybody else, uh, next episode. Don't know when, maybe next week. Let's shoot for that. I kind of have a fun idea. We'll see where it goes. Anyways, until then, everybody stay safe, stay cool. Bye, Ian. Thanks for having me on, Nate. Be well. Bye. Bye. I will not miss you, you dicks goodbye I will not miss you, you dicks goodbye